right. Well, Lord, we love you. You're faithful. And I, I thank you that we get to see every layer upon layer of your goodness and that you keep pulling us into yourself and you call us and draw us in deeper, Lord. And we thank you for that. Today, I pray that there will be a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. Would you say that? Father, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better. Amen. If you want to go ahead and <coughs> excuse me, open your Bible to Proverbs 13 and Matthew 4. And I don't, I don't really have a, like a sermon outline here, uh, but Proverbs 13 and Matthew 4. Um, I literally was awake from about 2 o'clock until I got out of bed and came up here to the church. Uh, just couldn't sleep, and it wasn't like a restless, like a troubled sleep. It was just, just the Lord... I, the Lord was talking to me, and I was like, Lord, what do you want to share? What's going on? What are you teaching the church? What do we need to, to talk about? And so through all that struggling, um, I woke up. I, I got out of bed finally, right, just laid there. How many of you always just lay there? You're like hoping that sleep will take over you again. <laughs> like, come on, please, take me. And it never did. So when I got up, I sat up, and the Lord said, why is your inheritance important? I was like, well, a lot of reasons. I don't know what answer you're looking for. <laughs> How many have ever had the Lord ask you a question and you're like, I'm afraid to just answer this question because, you know, it feels like you already know. <laughs> yes, all right. It feels like you already know God. So I'm afraid if I, you know, if I answer, I, you have an answer that's right. It's like two plus two is four, and I'm afraid I'm not going to say four. And the Lord doesn't ask us questions to show how smart he is. When the Lord asks us questions, he's teaching us how to think. See, he could be the kind of God that just dictates to us, you will do this and you will do this, and you, you don't need to know how to think. You just need to know how to do what you're told to do. But God is not that kind of a God. He asks us questions because he wants us to know how to think for ourselves. So when the Lord says, why is your inheritance important? My mind started going in a lot of different answers. And the answer that, that kind of probably hit me the most was because it keeps me from living for just today. An inheritance keeps me from living for just right now. It breaks that poverty mentality that says the, the only food I have is what's in front of me. I have to eat all of it. The only good that's going to happen to me is right in front of me. If I don't take it all in, it's not going to be there tomorrow. So I got to have all this good right now because I don't know if it'll be there. It's like, the, it's like an orphan mentality. Uh, a friend of mine um, adopted a, a girl from uh, China or Cambodia, one of those countries there. And she was in an orphanage. So when she came into the house and they had all this food at the table, she didn't know how to act. They would find food stored all over in her room, in shoes in bags, hidden under her bed, because in an orphanage, if you don't take it, it's gone tomorrow. You don't know if there'll be enough food tomorrow, so you take everything you can right now. And so she would store all this food, and he, had, he finally realized what was going on. And he told her, hey, look, food's going to be here tomorrow. You can have all you want today. You can eat until you're full, and there will be food tomorrow. I promise you there'll be food tomorrow to break the orphan mentality. And some of us have an orphan mentality in, in the church where we think that, well, it's going good today. I'm worried about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. There's going to be good tomorrow. There's going to be enough tomorrow. 
You don't have to be like an orphan and, and, and gorge yourself right now for fear that God's a good father. He's not, he's not running an orphanage. God did not adopt us all to bring us into his little orphanage to take care of all us little orphans. He adopted us and, and didn't leave our names the way they were. He gave us his own name and put it on our hearts and put it on our, on, on our, our new name. He put it on our head. He says, you are now mine. You're a son and you're a daughter. You're not in an orphanage anymore. You're in the family. And so orphans don't have inheritances, but family gets an inheritance. And so the enemy wants to steal your inheritance because if he can steal your inheritance, then you will only live for today. And how many of you know from experience, if you've done this, living for just today is a miserable way to just live? I just got to get through today. I, I, I just got to make it through today. I just got to get through today. I just got to get through. I got to get through this paycheck to get to the next paycheck. That's a miserable way to live. And God did not call us to live that way. He called us to live as sons and daughters who, who know there will be enough tomorrow. The Lord is my provider. And he shall provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory by his son Christ Jesus. This is who we are. That's the inheritance that we have as believers. There will be enough tomorrow. You know, as a matter of fact, God doesn't even know how to do enough. <laughs> I heard someone say years ago, how much sky do you really need? They are finding right now new galaxies and new galaxies all the time. I, I recorded it. I haven't watched it yet. I'm really excited because I'm a nerd. But Discovery did the show Telescope. Anyone see the commercials for it? And it's showing the, the galaxies and these new pictures that they have of these new, new things being birthed all the time. I mean, how many galaxies does God need? It's never enough. But then it's always enough. Because five loaves and two fish was enough for God. I want you to see how God works. <laughs> He's extravagant. He doesn't waste anything. Five loaves and two fish is enough for him. You say, well, I don't have enough. The Lord says, well, what do you have? Well, I've got like two cents. That's enough. That'll work. Peter's scared. Hey, Jesus, I can't pay my taxes. Sounds like us today, right? <clears throat> don't worry. Go do what you do really well. Go fishing. And he goes fishing. And what does he do? I know Tilly loves it. He catches a fish. And what's in the fish's mouth? Money. <laughs> So he pulls this fish up, there's money in the mouth, and guess how much there was? There wasn't just enough for Peter's taxes. There was enough for Peter and Jesus' taxes. So Jesus goes, you pay your taxes, and while you're at it, since I performed this miracle for you, you can pay my taxes too. So even Jesus paid taxes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was a, a better tax percentage than what we live under now, but... <laughs> It's always enough, but then there's, it's always excess with God. Because he takes the enough, the five lo loaves and two fish. It's enough. But it was enough to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. And then there was so much left over that they took 12 baskets and gathered up the scraps. One for each disciple is like the way I think about it. Here's your, here's your doggy, doggy bag for the disciples. Take it home. It's always enough for God. But when we live in this orphan mentality... We, it, it's a fear-based thing. It's a, we, we, we often even approach God in our prayer life, and we pray little baby prayers. And I don't mean immature, young. I mean, well, I'm, I'm really scared to ask God for something big because 
he's not going to do it. It's not enough. He's not enough. I'm reading a book right now. I'm fin- rereading it. It's called The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. If you haven't read it, read it. I promise. Read it. It's about praying circles around your life, around your family, around your business, around your health. <clears throat> and, and in that, that, that praying circles, it, we're marking our territory. And we're saying, God, this belongs to you. It's holy to you. It's holy to you. And in that book, he says, we often don't pray, pray scary prayers. And the Lord wants us to pray some scary prayers that take some faith to pray. Because we're not orphans, we're sons and daughters. He said to, to those he was teaching one time, he says, If your son came to you and he asked you for a fish, would you give him a serpent? And they're like, no, we wouldn't do that. He's like, okay, well, if your son came to you and he asked you for bread, let's, let's take this in real life. If your kids came to you and asked you for a Happy Meal, would you give them a box of rocks? And he says, if you are earthly, and he says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give Good things. And then it stops, right? No. Trick, tricky question. It says he'll give good things to them that ask him. Later on in the Bible, it says, Jesus said, up until this point, you haven't asked me for anything. Time out. The disciples were performing miracles and signs and wonders. They had asked him for stuff. They were raising the dead. They were cleansing lepers. They were casting out demons. They were feeding 5,000 people. They were doing amazing things. And Jesus says, hey, guys, as long as I've known you, you've never asked me for anything. I, I, can, I, I would probably be like, well, what, was all, what were all those questions I asked before? Like, you forget those? He goes, but there's a time coming. I want you to ask. I want you to ask for things from me, and I'm going to give it to you so that your joy will be made full. See, the proverb says that, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire realized is a tree of life. Why is that important? Because orphans don't ask for things. And when orphans ask for things, they ask to just get their needs met, but they don't dream. They don't dream. So the Lord wants you to dream today. He doesn't want you to just ask for things that are needs. He said he would supply all of your needs. But he also wants you to want some things. He wants you to desire some things. And I don't mean bling. I don't mean cars. I don't mean houses. Although the Lord's not against blessing you with a car and a house. You, you work hard. You want to buy you a Corvette? Buy you a Corvette. You work hard. You have the money to buy a Corvette. And you want to buy a used car? Good for you. Do what you want. It's your money. I don't, I don't hate you either way. Good for you. But he wants us to want things. He wants us to desire things because we're not orphans. We're not orphans. So the enemy wants to steal our inheritance because he wants us to live for today. So let's go to, let's read this and we'll probably close it out pretty quick. But Proverbs 13 verse 21. Proverbs 13 verse 21. And it says adversity or hard times or trials pursue sinners. 
Wow. I don't want to sin because I don't want adversity to pursue me. Right? It doesn't say God sends adversity to pursue sinners. Just adversity just follows sin. It's a wage. It's a, it's a sal- It's our salary for sinning. But the righteous will be rewarded with what? Prosperity. And that word prosperity is a loaded word. Greed has taken that word and, and attached it to money only. But prosperity is spirit, soul, body, relationships, finances, your mental capacity to understand things. That's prosperity. Prosperity is the health of your body, divine health. We believe in divine healing, but we also believe that we can live in divine health where we're well. That's prosperity. Prosperity was when the, the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years walking around in the same shoes and the same clothes that they never wore out in 40 years in the hot desert. That's prosperity. And the Lord wants us to live in prosperity. So, so adversity, trials, hardship, persecution follows sin. But prosperity is the reward of the righteous. Amen? And then this is the scripture that I wanted to hit on. This is one of my, my verses that I, I, I want to break some things in my own family. But a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. <clears throat> a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. An orphan just tries to survive for today. But a person who knows they're a son or a daughter in Christ and carries an inheritance, leaves that inheritance for future generations. You know, I'm living right now, I'm, I'm sixth generation minister in my family. And I, I, you throw a rock in my family, you're going to hit a preacher or a worship leader or something. And, and that's just the way it is. And I think back very often that my great, great, great grandfather made decisions then that affect me now. <laughs> my great grandfather broke alcoholism and I'm living in the benefits now (laughs) think of your family there's someone down the line that did something that broke something that that released inheritance to you so don't don't sit there and say I don't have an inheritance yes you do you join the family of God, you have, first of all, you have the, the inheritance of Jesus Christ. He, he came down as a man and he earned back his inheritance through, through submission as a son. And then he says, I'm giving that to you now. So we have an inheritance. Amen. And I, I am very well, I have my, my, my papa, that's what I call him, my papa. When I'm, when I'm old, I want my, my grandkids to call me granddaddy because I want to be the granddaddy of them all, right? I'm the rose bowl of papas. <laughs> that's what I want to be. I want to be the Rose Bowl of grandparents. So um, I have his ring on my, my desk in my office. And every time I look at it, which is right in front of my face, I just remember the sacrifices that he made. I remember the, the times that I, I, I remember. He does this every morning still, even with his mental uh, capacities d- diminishing quickly. He gets up and he prays and calls my name out every day. He calls my kids' names out every day. He does these things. And it, it's it's not... It's a habit for him, but it's not a habit. It's a legacy. It's a legacy. They prayed for me before they even knew me. Your grandma prayed for you before you were even born. 
I pray over my kids every night that they would know God, that they would, they would know Him, that they would walk in His ways. I pray that they would become the men that God's called them to be. I pray for their wives right now. I know that's something we all should do. Pray over your kids. Father, I declare right now for my kid's wife, wherever she is, help her out. Help her out. Be there for her. String there. Put, her, put good people around her. Protect her innocence. Those, those are going to be my, my daughter-in-law someday. I don't even know who they are, but I pray for them now. And those grandbabies they're going to have for me, which is going to be so, you know, it's so exciting. My dad says it's way better than kids. You should have just skipped and had grandbabies. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think it quite works that way, Pops. <laughs> my dad loves me so much. No. <laughs> uh, I, I can't wait for that day. This is praying for a legacy. This is calling things that are not as though they are. You're prophetic. You can declare things. You can create a legacy. You have an inheritance. You can make decisions now that will dictate the way your kids see the world. My, my great-grandfather planted churches all over North Texas, and it was back in a time where race relations were still not good. They were, they were bad, and, and they're still bad in some places now, and it shouldn't be that way. But my grandfather didn't have a clue what color of skin was. They just didn't. They were, they were the only church around. They, they had services together. They joined together. I, I have a heritage where I don't, I don't care what skin color is. It doesn't, it's not an issue to me. It's, it's stupid to even think of it that way. And why, why is that possible? Because my great-grandparents just loved people. It didn't matter. I don't have a negative mindset of poor people. Because my family didn't have a negative mindset of poor people. But I also don't have a negative mindset of rich people. Because I was taught that way. You, you and I can do this for our kids. To create the world the, the way they see the world. Amen? So let's go back to this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Wow. Why? Because it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. But inheritance continues to build and increase. Do you know what your inheritance is? Do you know? If you don't know, you need to find out. It's kind of really important that you know. If you don't know what you're living for, if you don't know what's yours, if you don't know what your future is, then, then you won't make decisions today based on your future. You'll make decisions based on, I just got to survive. You're not called to just survive. You're not called to just get by. You have a future. You have things that are important for you that God has set aside for you. Precious promises inheritance that he's laid up for the saints i want want to be a saint i want to be a good man that stores up uh, an inheritance for my children's children how awesome would it be if i'm gone from this earth and my kids get to go and buy a car because daddy granddaddy great granddaddy left them money to buy a car i don't know i'm just using that as as an example but i'm not even here yet i can impact their life pay for their school pay for their college help them start a business and that's, to me, when I think about that, when I think of financial things, that's when I get like, oh, man, I, I barely have enough. Spiritual things, I'm like, okay, man, I've got something to pass on. So the Lord's challenged me. I want to leave an inheritance for my kids. Financial, too. I believe that when we take hold of this and break this orphan mindset and we get into this inheritance mindset, that it will impact every area of our lives. We'll begin to pass good health to our children. We'll begin to pass on good marriages to our kids. You see, my, I would put, I, my marriage with my wife is, 
perfect. You agree? No, it's not perfect anymore. (laughs) Because we fought for it. We earned what we have. So my kids are raised in a house where they know how dad and mom are supposed to treat each other. You know what I learned from my dad growing up? Don't talk bad to, to, to mom. I would get slapped, right? Have you been slapped by pops for talking bad to your mom? Yeah, that was Mandy was older when she did it, right? This is what my dad said to me growing up. If I would speak mean to my, my mom, he would say, don't speak to my wife that way. I'm like, wait a second, this is my mom. He's like, she's my wife first. And this is what I tell my sons. And they don't do it very often, but if they do, I'm like, Josiah or Matthias, what would I do to some guy on the street who talks to, to my wife that way? Uh, you would probably punch him out. <laughs> I'd probably get beat up, but I would at least get the first punch in, right? <laughs> get it and run. Like, then what makes you think I'm going to let you live in my house and speak to my wife that way? I didn't come up with that. I'm not smart enough to think that way. My dad taught me that way, and his dad taught him that way. It's a legacy, and you guys, we can build this thing up and pass it on to our kids. Amen? So find out what your inheritance is and grab hold of it with your whole heart. If people have prophesied over you, pull those prophetic words. You see, every time God speaks to you and to me, he's releasing inheritance to us. Literally, every time God speaks, he's releasing life and inheritance to us. So when he says something, I want to hold on to it. I've got prophecies that are, that are written down. I've got prophecies that, prophecies that are in emails that are for me that I remember to this day. And I remind the Lord, this is my inheritance. You said I'm going to be Holy Spirit, man. I have no clue what that means, but I'm going to be Holy Spirit, man. That's who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a superhero and it's going to have HS on my chest or whatever it is. But that's what I'm going to be. I know that. I know, God, I'm ruined for anything but doing your purposes. I know there was a prophecy over me. Jared, you're ruined for any. This is when I was pursuing baseball career. And this, this prophet evangelist came and he spoke over me. Jared, you are ruined for anything but preaching the gospel. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> prophecy fulfilled. <laughs> Striking out too much will do that to a baseball career. <laughs> Pull those prophecies up. Remember them. Remind yourself and remind God who he says you are. Remember what we said last week? You are not who God thinks you are. And you are not who you think you are. But you are who you think God thinks you are. What we believe, what we believe God believes about us is what we will see manifest in our lives. If I believe that God looks at me as an orphan child or as an adopted child, then I will live my existence as an orphan or adopted child. But if I believe that I'm his favorite, then I will live like I'm God's favorite. And that's okay for you to think you're his favorite because you are. And so am I, right? Your inheritance is the target of the enemy because he does not want you to have anything to pass on to the next generation. He wants them to start from scratch. He wants to stop momentum. You hear me? The enemy loves to stop momentum in the church. Family gets radically saved. They, they, they give their hearts to the Lord. They bring their families in. They go to Sunday school. They learn all the stuff. Then their kids grow up, and the church hurts them. 
And they leave the church. Momentum stopped. Kids have to break through a fence and, and being mistreated by a pastor or a leader. And they have to fight through it because it just stops the momentum. The enemy hates for glory to be built upon glory, upon glory, upon glory. So he throws in these things. He causes these things to happen. And our response to it can stop the momentum or keep it going. It's time for us to live with an inheritance mindset that says, I'm going to create some momentum for my kids. I just want to get it started for you. My kids are trying to open something that's too hard for them. I don't just open it for them. I just get it started for them. I want to read Matthew 4. I want you to see this. This is pretty amazing. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, this is right after he was baptized. The Holy Spirit descends upon him, sits on his shoulder as in the form of a dove. Heaven opens. God's voice booms as loud as possible with the greatest encouragement ever. This is my son, and I am so pleased with him. And all the crowd saw and and heard the father's uh, uh, acceptance and approval of the son. So Jesus goes from that highlight of his life to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he became hangry. Hungry, I think. Oh, sorry. (laughs) It's hangry for me. I don't know about y'all. I was hoping someone would catch it. but. And the tempter came and said to him if you are the son of god what did jesus just hear this is my son i am well pleased with him so satan immediately comes to him and attacks his identity and tries to make him an orphan again and he says if you are god's son then speak to these stones and make them bread but jesus (laughs) like don't you misuse my father's words that's how he responded all right He said, it is written, and I think he did it in his Batman voice. (laughs) It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God shuts the enemy up. Then the devil comes to him again, and he took him to uh, to the holy city and, and had him stand on the pinnacle, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For I know it's written. So he's like, oh, you can say it's written. I can too. And the devil comes back and says, well, it is written. And the, the Bible is not true when the devil speaks it. It's true. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written that he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him back. It is written. You shall not put the Lord your God to a test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. Why did he do this? He showed him his inheritance. It's like you left all this when you came to be a man. Don't you regret that? This is going to be tough for you. If you'll just bow down right now and worship me, I will go ahead and give it to you now perfect example of good being the enemy of the best perfect of example of running ahead of the lord 
receive the Lord's promises in their time. If we take his promises out of time, they will hurt us. They will harm us. Amen. So he took him up and he said, I will give you these things if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and shall serve him only. And immediately the devil left him. And what happened? Angels came to minister to Jesus. Why is this important? Jesus knew he was a son and he positioned himself in every decision of his life as a son. I don't need a shortcut to my inheritance because I'm a son. When my father wants to give me my inheritance, he'll give it to me. I don't need shortcuts. See, the prodigal son, he wanted a shortcut to his inheritance. He didn't want to wait till Papa died. He wanted him to give it to him now. And so his dad said, okay, you can have your inheritance. And what did he do? He squandered it. He wasted it. I love the rest of the story, but but you need to take the inheritance from the father in his time. See, the enemy was trying to get Jesus to act as an orphan to perform for what was already his. See, this is one of my favorite messages, and I don't have time to dive into this today. But you don't have to perform for God's love. You don't have to perform for his acceptance. You start loved and you start accepted. When we believe that to be true, then our actions will follow our belief system. And we'll begin to act as people who who are accepted and who are loved. There are times when one of my sons will act insecure about my love. And I immediately will bring him back and say, hey, wait a second. Let's what's the truth here? Has that have and I ask and I'm not asking like a rhetorical question. Have I ever done anything? To treat you like you're not my son. Have I ever done anything to disappoint you? If, if so, tell me now. I'll apologize. I'll repent. But it's, it's not because they're, they're being, uh, their identity is being attacked. And I need them to know what it feels like when your identity is attacked. You know it's a spiritual attack on your identity when you begin to feel emotions that line up with the lies. If I just have a thought, well, my dad doesn't love me, and I just uh, that just goes through and goes away. It's just a thought. Get rid of it. It's a stupid thought. Get a better thought. But whenever that thought gets into my head, and then I start feeling feelings, and I start acting insecure around him, and I start acting like a, a, a you know like he doesn't love me, and and I'm nervous, then I have I am under the influence of a demonic attack on my identity. You are sons, and you are daughters. The moment you feel shame, the moment you feel guilt, the moment you feel regret, the moment you feel like you're not enough and you feel like you have to compete with someone else or you feel like you have to earn Papa God's love, you're under a demonic attack and you need to tell him, it is written. I was adopted into the family of God. I bear the name of Christ on me. I'm I'm the father's son or daughter. And I don't have to perform for this. And whenever we begin to realize our identity as sons and daughters, it's my honor to serve the Lord. I'm not required to do it. I choose to do it because I'm a son. See, Jesus gave up his inheritance as the son of God so that he could receive it as the son of man. Why? 
so that you and I could receive the inheritance as his sons and as his brothers and sisters, right? If you can earn it through performance, then you can lose it through performance. Because that, that creates a system that says, well, whoever's best gets the reward. If you're the best singer, then you're going to have the, the, the best position. But if, if a better singer comes along, what happens? You're out of a job. You may be the best creative person at your workplace. All of a sudden, another creative person comes. And under the world system, only the best creative person can be there. But in the kingdom, it's not like that. It's not about whether you're the best singer or you're the best creative person for the job. It's are you a son in the family or not? There's room for everyone at God's table in the kingdom. There's no competition. There's no battle for for the favor of the Lord. An inheritance is a reward from the Father to the sons, to the family. And the only way an inheritance can be taken away is through disownership. And I think there's a scripture that talks about that. Are you sons and daughters? Yes or no? Now listen to this. You have an inheritance as a son or daughter. I'm closing with this. Second Timothy 2, verse 11 through 13. This is a trustworthy statement. That's good to know. For if we died with him, if we died with Christ, then we will also live with Christ. If we endure with Christ, we will also reign with Christ. This is a trustworthy statement. In other words, you can bet on this. If we are faithless, uh uh-oh, he remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. Another translation says he will not disown himself. Why is that important? You're a son, you're a daughter. He has an inheritance for you. And he will not disown you and take away your inheritance. You need to hear that. There's nothing you've done. There's nothing you will do that will cause the father to disown you. Because to disown you would be to disown himself. And he won't do it. That takes all the pressure to perform off. I hope I, I have goosebumps, or as J-Lo says on American Idol, goosies. <laughs> I have goosies right now because that takes the pressure off of this Christianity thing. It's not about performing to get his love. It's not about performing to keep his love. It's not, it's not about that. It's about just be a son and be a daughter. Stay a son, stay a daughter. Because if you do, he will not disown you. Your behavior doesn't change whether you're a son or you're a daughter. You make a mess. You're still a son or daughter. We clean the mess up. That's what a son does. We clean our own mess up. But we don't get disowned. And I wanted to end with that because I feel it's really important that you hear there's no pressure in this thing. We, we have taught the gospel, and when I say we, I, I speak for churches and ministers. We have taught the, the gospel with a pressure to it. 
because we, ex- we, we need results. We need to see people come to the altar. We need to count salvations. We need to know baptisms. We need, we need to know because that's the only way we know we're pleasing. And it's not how it is at all. There's no pressure in this thing. You get to choose or you get to not choose. You can say yes or you can say no. It's up to you. And my love for you as your pastor will not change regardless of how you say yes or how you say no. The Father's love for us does not change whether we say yes or whether we say no. The fruit that we reap in our life changes according to our yes and our no. But it's not because of the Father. It's because of our decisions. Because he loves us so much, he lets us choose. And there is no pressure. Bad fruit pops up in our life. You're not disowned as a son or daughter. He's not going to call you in and say, well, I have to strip your name from you. If you're a cowboy player, I have to take the star off your helmet. You got to earn that star back. He doesn't do that. (laughs) If you're a cowboy, you're a cowboy forever. Ain't that right? Like Dion only played here for a year, two years, and he's a cowboy forever. Why? You're a cowboy? You're a cowboy forever. (laughs) You're a son? The Bible says you're a son forever. You're a daughter? You're a daughter forever. That takes the pressure off of earning. Now I just live as a son or daughter. And because I love my father, I love what he loves. Amen? Why don't you stand? Let's pray first as, as they're getting ready to close it out. Father, we love you. And I pray you continue to teach us how to be sons and daughters because it is an abstract thing. It's not something we just know how to do. We need you to teach us. So we say yes to you as our father. I want to be a good son. <laughs> I want to have an inheritance as a son. I want to lay up for my children's children an inheritance. so father we release sonship and daughtership over this house i pray that you would break the orphan spirit the orphan mindset (laughs) take the pressure off i felt you do it when i said it release the pressure of performance we get to just be Keep your heads bowed and and your eyes closed. I want to ask this. If you're here and you you, you know for sure, like, you've struggled with being a son or daughter and you want to make that right, would you raise your hand just right where you're at? You can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome, Lord. (laughs) That's good. It's a good day. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to... I want to pray a prayer from here, and and if you would, would you pray it with me? And this is not like a magic formula, but it's it's just to um, communicate uh, to the Father as a as a group of people that we want something specific. There's something powerful uh, behind declarations, so I see this as like a declaration. All right, so Father God, you pray it with me. All right, Father Father God, I thank you. For making me a son or daughter. 
I thank you, Jesus, for the inheritance that you laid aside for me. (laughs) I thank you, Father, because there's no pressure to to become a son or daughter (laughs) or to stay a son or daughter. And Father, I ask you to search me and search my thoughts. And if there is orphan thinking, I ask that you would replace it with sonship. I pray you give me confidence that I'm your favorite son or daughter. I ask you also to help me to lay up an inheritance for my children's children. Yeah, amen. Amen to that, Patrick. Yeah. (sighs) Scripture says to a thousand generations of those who fear the Lord. That's a long time. (laughs) Amen. Amen.